0: So I caused some consternation by announcing um, the wrong name, excuse me, the wrong name for preaching at our evening service tonight. It's actually John MacDonald speaking at our evening service tonight, so anyone else that I mentioned out loud can stand down and rest easy. Um, As I said earlier, our minister at the moment, Alistair, is away in Australia, and he has arranged for a series of guest preachers for the Sundays where he's not around, but he decided that he wanted to give us all a chance to kind of hear a little bit more from some of the people that and organizations that St. George's Tron partners with. If you're around the church at all, you'll know that we've got quite strong links with a number of different organizations. Last week we heard from Jack Quinn, who heads up Workplace Chaplaincy. Um, We are also in partnership with folk like Street Pastors, with Glasgow City Mission and with Bethany Christian Trust. And if you're a patron of the Wild Olive Tree Cafe, you'll know that it's a social enterprise cafe and all profits go to Glasgow City Mission and Bethany. So I'm delighted this afternoon that we've got David McAdam from Bethany who's come along to share with us. And David, you head up a particular project within Bethany, the Connect to Community project. And I'm not going to say any more about it. I'm going I'm to hand over to you, because I'm sure you're going to explain it much better than me. So thanks, David. We we'll look forward to your word.
1: Uh, thanks very much, Fiona. Uh, lovely to be with you. And uh, thanks to Brian and the band for worship. That's great. Uh, somewhere along the line, we, Alistair and I have got our wires crossed, because I didn't know I was speaking on Connect to Community. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's fine. I'm going to make reference to it, but... Uh, We're going to go well. But I do want to say thank you uh, for your partnership with uh, Bethany and connect to community Uh, The project is solely about supporting men and women as they leave prison to reintegrate into community. There's a few leaflets lying about. And uh, one of the ways we do that is we hold a group here on a Thursday in the cafe where uh, Guys who've been out uh, in prison come together and and share lunch and study the Bible together just as a a way of beginning to build a future. Uh, But it's also a great meeting place for me and other people who are uh, emerging. Seven and a half thousand people are in our prisons in Scotland at any given time. And today, at least 500 of them will be in church in prison. And the vast majority of that 500 won't have been in church before they went to prison. And the vast majority don't go to church when they come out of prison. But it's a huge part of their life while they're in prison. And our project is really primarily connecting those people with living churches who will support them. And that uh, you can learn a little bit more from the leaflets around the place. And we do it simply by befriending and mentoring. And that means you can do it. And you can be part of it. So if you're not part of the other partnership projects. You can certainly be part of ours and we'd love you to be. But today we're going to look at the story in the Old Testament in Second Kings chapter 5 of Naaman. And the reason for that is I was here on Thursday with the group and I was thinking, oh boy, I'm here on Sunday and I don't know what I'm going to speak on yet. I wish Alistair had told me it was connected to community. And I was queuing up for my coffee there and I was introduced to someone who's here this morning by the name of Naaman. He said to me, what's your name? I said, David. And I said, what's yours? And he said, Naaman. I said, oh, that's great. I think I'll speak on Naaman this Sunday. So, if you wonder how a preacher decides what he'll preach on, it's random conversations at the cafe bar. And this is Naaman uh, sitting in the middle here, and uh, he can tell me whether uh, we do his name justice as we look at this story. So, if you have a Bible, I think it's page 372. And is the text also on the screen, Second Kings chapter five. Great. Let's hear God's word. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Aram is what we call Syria today. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. But he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aaron had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, weave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Obama and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. Amen. May God teach us of himself from his word today. It started as a spot, a tiny little spot, a wee itch on her arm, and gradually the spot spread and our concerns grew and our first child had chickenpox so annoying, just when you're getting used to the parenting business to have some complex thing. Looking at me, you realize I'm talking about something a very long time ago, since, say, my children are now adults. But the spot, of course, was a sign for us that something wasn't right, that our daughter needed help and treatment, and we couldn't just let things carry on. There was an infection in her body that needed to be dealt with. And uh, the spot was a sign of that, an outward sign of this infection. Naaman, in our story, was a successful military general. He enjoyed personal and political favor. He was the kind of guy that when he walked down the street drew admiring glances because his military record was amazing. He was an impressive character. But he had a problem. A spot that was barely noticeable to anyone else at first, but was to become seriously disruptive in his life. Up until that moment, his life had been one of unparalleled success. But now this spot said to him, everything is lost. Leprosy was as bad a disease as you could get in those days, incurable It put you out of the community and separated you from normal life. In fact, this spot that brought such despair to Naaman's heart was graciously given by God. Unknown to him, it was God, the living God, who had granted him success in his life so far, even though he neither knew God nor acknowledged God. But this spot was to be the beginning of a journey by which he discovered for himself the living and powerful and life-giving God. That's why I say this spot was graciously given to him, because it was the start of a new journey. My work in and out of prisons in Scotland involves me with many lepers in our society, social and feared outcasts people whom we as a community have decided aren't really fit to be among us anymore and so we put them out into locked institutions where we're kept safe from them architects bank managers policemen i've met them all inside the prisons of scotland and usually for most of them a tiny blemish Revealed at some point that something wasn't right in their life. Images on a computer, tablets in a secret drawer, machines in an anonymous town, all of which served an addiction, barely noticeable to anyone else, yet symptomatic of an illness within them that was so deep and dramatic that when it went unaddressed, and took over their lives, it became defining and led to them offending criminally and going to prison. Prison, in that sense, can be diagnostic. It can show up what the problem in our life is, bring it to the surface, and make us face it. Of course, you don't need to go to prison to have that kind of diagnostic look at yourself. Maybe you're aware of a tiny aberration in your character today. No one else in here can see it, but you're aware that, as Fiona mentioned earlier, however much you try, you keep falling down and failing. The person you want to be, you just don't achieve and there's something there that holds you back from it address it don't let it take over your life to the point that it leads you to a place you don't want to be take the opportunity today to recognize that even a tiny spot on your character that reveals you're not the person you want to be or were made to be is an opportunity and a call for you to seek God and seek his wholeness. Second thing in the story I want you to see is the feature character, I'm going to call her a nobody humbly serving. She's the hero of the story, but we don't even know her name. If you've ever heard this story before, you've probably heard her described as Naaman's little maid. But her story is a tragic one. The Arameans... Syrians, invaded her land, probably killed her parents, and certainly took her captive. Think of Boko Haram in Nigeria a couple of years ago, who took those 200 girls away from their families as hostages for a couple of years. That's the kind of thing that has happened to this girl. She finds herself torn from home and family and put into forced servitude in another land she's trafficked as we would say today and she ends up as the household slave of the military leader of the country that has taken her hostage she becomes the house help for naaman's wife then Naomi, who caused all this distress in her life gets leprosy the temptation of irony in her life must have been very strong. To see the man that had caused her such suffering now suffering slowly and silently, she must have been tempted to dance on his grave and laugh as his life began to disintegrate. But no, this remarkable little girl, raised in a community of faith, who knew God's grace, uh, wanted others to benefit she's forgiving she's gracious and she signposts naaman in a remarkable way to where he can find help and we don't even know her name isn't this typical of the way god works it is actually not so long ago I was uh, in a group in Glen Oakle prison and uh, there was a man came down from the wing that day for the very first time to a faith group. Everyone else in the group who knew him from the hall was really surprised to see him there. He's not the kind of guy that comes to these groups. And so they said to him, what are you doing here today? And uh, he said, well, last night I was sitting in my Peter, that's a little technical term, in the jail for your cell, I was sitting in my Peter, thinking, why am I still here? Not meaning why am I still in jail, but why am I still alive? And my mind went back to an event 12 years ago when in the streets of London I was stabbed twice and I was bleeding to death in a little passageway in London when two people whose names I don't know prayed for me and stayed with me while they phoned for an ambulance. That's why I'm still alive. They were street pastors, one of your other partners here. Twelve years later, their service comes back to his mind and heart a few hundred miles away, and he remembers them with thankfulness and comes seeking the God who sent them out onto the streets to care that night do we know their names no we don't are they heroes no they're not but god used them as he often does unnamed unknown people to further his cause in this man's life and in that group in the coming weeks he came to faith for himself and nobody humbly serving maybe nobody knows your name maybe nobody knows your story those are the people god specializes in using so look for the opportunities to signpost in jesus name people to the source of life thirdly i want you to see a leader going through the motions the king of israel is a really sad character isn't he (laughs) he's the leader of israel as the leader of Israel, he should have been a champion of faith. That's the whole point of Israel. It's the people who look to God in faith. He should have been like King David. But instead, when someone comes seeking help, he reacts with terrible insecurity, mock sincerity, and paranoid fear. (laughs) Why are you coming to me? Are you just trying to cause trouble? tears his robes he senses a quarrel he pleads impotence just because a man asked him for help it was said a few years ago of this man when he was prime minister he was in office but not in power the new testament has a description like that of people of faith who don't acknowledge the reality, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. God save us from such powerless leaders and powerless churches today that we should ever appear like Israel, the king of Israel here, who when people come to us for help, we say, don't bother me, I don't know how to help you. That's why we're here, to be signposts to where eternal help is found. Helpless in the face of human need, clueless in the face of human desperation, faithless in a God-starved world. The King of Israel, Jehoram, has a vacuous confession. God deliver us from such empty way of life. Fourthly, I want you to see A cure reluctantly accepted. Naaman finally gets to meet the man of God who is willing to point him to the source of life. But he's not too impressed when the prescription for health comes from Elisha. He's very typical, Naaman, of us. Do you see when he goes looking for help? He takes all the money he can find, he takes a letter of influence from one king to another to try and win what he's looking for. He thinks he can buy his health. He thinks he can use his influence to gain his health. He thinks he can win it by his position and his reputation. I'm the leader of the army of Aram. He has an ego that wants to be massaged. Instead, he finds an offer of help That is humbling, particular, and simple. Humbling. Go and wash yourself in the river. Particular. That dirty river Jordan. Not any old river, but that one. And simple. Anybody could do it. Why not do some great thing, he says? Some dramatic thing. Anybody could do that. But once he gets over his ego, he does humble himself. He does believe God's promise. He does obey God's call. And he does receive wholeness. And that's God's way of helping you and me in a nutshell too that's the thing about the bible that god's dna comes right down through the centuries he works in the same way in lots of different generations and those are all signposts to his great way of working to help you and i today you see this story says to you and me it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or what wealth you have or what reputation you possess what influence you carry, God offers health, or as the Bible calls it, salvation, in one way only. It's simple, it's humbling, and it's particular. It's not a trip to a dirty river, but it's humble trust in a despised Savior. Nothing in my hand I bring, says an old hymn, simply your cross I cling. That's why Jesus said to those who would come after him, unless you become like a little child and do something that even a child can do, ask for help. You'll never enter my kingdom. So God's ways are humbling because they cost us nothing, but they're liberating because they're available to us all. Jesus actually said of Naaman, there were many other lepers in Israel who were not cured. But Naaman was. For though he was reluctant at first, he willingly accepted God's way of salvation. You know, just yesterday in a training day I was doing, one of the young men we've helped a bit in the last two years was telling a little bit of his story he's only 26 amazingly he's already been in prison 30 times 30 convictions by the age of 26 he's actually an extremely talented guy he's a wonderful artist he's a great dad but he has 30 convictions and he said many many times i've tried on my own to sort my life But I couldn't do it. Every single conviction has been committed under the influence of alcohol. He's never been charged sober. What's changed for him now? This is his words, not mine. I recognized that my root problem was not my alcoholism, but my sin, that I was looking to someone and something other than God for my identity and my satisfaction. And doing that, I've now put aside my alcohol. He's part of a little church community in the east end of Glasgow. He's been there for 15 months now, the longest period out of prison ever. He's serving in a church. He's using his artistic skills. How many times have you been trying, trying, trying to make yourself the person you want to be? But here's God's way. Humble yourself. Submit to God's way of saving you. Jesus on a cross. It is a life wonderfully changed that we see in Naaman. He comes seeking a cure for leprosy. He gets so much more. If you go on and read the rest of the chapter, you'll discover he makes a new confession. There's no God but your God. He displays a new attitude. He calls himself a servant. He makes a new resolution. I'm not going to offer anything anywhere else. And he shows a new sensitivity of character. May the Lord forgive me. In other words, everything changes. Everything changes. Not so long ago, I supported a young man coming out of prison who has a very violent and intense eh, criminal life and he became a Christian in prison and he went to a church and he approached the church in a violent and intense way so he preached to everybody and he told everybody they were wrong and he he hadn't shown he hadn't really changed at all he'd swapped one set of clothes for another set a criminal set for a religious set but there was no internal change and needless to say after a few weeks he burned out you see, it's not an external thing that God comes to change, but an internal thing. In comparison with that, last weekend I spent a weekend with a young man whom your minister, Alistair, actually conducted the wedding service off a few weeks ago. And I was with him on last weekend when for the first time in his life, his 14-year-old son was allowed to stay with him overnight. He's never been considered safe enough for that to happen. But now with a fresh heart and a fresh attitude, his family's attitude to him has changed. The authority's attitude to him has changed. He's humble. He's thankful. He's appreciative. He's generous. That's an internal change. And it is worth a clap, yeah. Let me conclude with two simple applications. I want you to see that in Naaman's life it was the presence of a suffering servant in his life that brought him salvation. This little girl had suffered and she served and she signposted him to where he could get help. And that's how you find salvation and wholeness as well. The presence of the suffering servant in your life Jesus left his father's love voluntarily. What pain he suffered. He was a prince in heaven who became a servant on earth. He reigned in heaven. He served on earth. And he became the suffering servant when, on your behalf, he bore the pain of all injustices, all crimes all sin and he did that for your healing and he suffered that you might be saved that like Naaman you might know what it was to be fresh as a newborn baby that's how it describes Naaman and that's what he gives us countless second chances as we sang but more than anything new life but then I want to say this also to you that you living in the likeness of Jesus, like Naaman's little girl did, will make you useful to God and transformative for others. When you, in the likeness of Jesus and in the pattern of this little girl, become a suffering servant in the lives of others, God will use you. Let me tell you two stories. About 15 years ago, I was a pastor in Port Glasgow, and we had a little girl who used to come to our church on a Sunday. She was from a distraught and disintegrating home. Her father was an alcoholic, and he was put out of the home. After a few months, he had managed to get his life in order, and he had access to his little girl, who was eight at the time, for a day, and it was a Sunday. And he asked her, what would you like to do? It's Daddy's Day. Will we go to McDonald's? And she said, Daddy, I always go to church on Sundays. He'd never been to church. But it was his day to be with his daughter. This little girl who'd suffered the breakup of the family home dragged her dad along to our church. And God met him that day. Today, he lives in Sydney. He leads an organization like Glasgow City Mission, responsible for feeding 2,500 people on the streets every single night of the year. How did that happen? A little girl told her dad, You're coming with me to the one who gives me joy. She, that little suffering girl, led him to Jesus. Or what about this man? Some of you may know him by the name M.P. Free. He's a rap artist. He lives in Cumbernauld. He's also a Christian. He does a lot of work in our prisons in between his other job as an engineer of some kind. Mark Pawson is also from Port Glasgow. When he was 16, he was going out with a little girl from a Christian family when for the first time, he got arrested and held in the police cells for the night. Mark was from a disintegrating home too. And in the morning he phoned his girlfriend and he said, oh, I got picked up last night. I'm in the, uh, Come and get me. But whatever you do, don't tell your dad. He'll hate me. <laughs> well, like all wise girls, the first thing she did do was tell her dad. And she took her dad along in his car to pick up Mark from the police station. And they took him home for breakfast. And he sat down with her dad for breakfast a fearsome thing and her dad said to him simply mark i don't know why you were in police custody last night and i don't know very much about you son but i want you to know this that in this family there's enough love to get you through whatever you're going through because this is a house where jesus dwells and all are welcome here Well, that man became his father-in-law, and Mark himself is now the father of three lovely girls, and his experience of leaving love, of receiving love in a time of crisis, from a suffering dad who wasn't too sure who his little girl was going out with, has transformed him into one of the most effective evangelists in our prisons in Scotland today. He's in Addywell Prison every Wednesday night with Prison Fellowship. You can do that. Where God places you, you can do that. We've had the privilege of hosting a Syrian refugee in our family home the last few months. That's a wee bit, you know. We've had to think about what we watch on the telly so that he can watch what he wants. It's been mildly irritating at times in our empty nest to have another young person back in the house. But this story inspired us that we too could maybe connect with Assyrian and see his life change. You maybe can do that. But whatever God puts you in this cafe on the streets, meeting people coming out of prison, God can use you to point others to the source of wholeness and salvation. That's Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Naaman. Thank you that it points out so much of your character to us, your ways of working. Thank you that it encourages us that no nobody knows our name, you might use us. But most of all, thank you that it shows us that you're a God who gives life and wholeness. We come seeking that for each other now. Be real to us. Give us the courage to humble ourselves and accept your way of salvation for us, even Jesus. Hear us as we pray for each other now. Those around our table, to our right, to our left, you know our needs. Speak to us as we wait upon you and worship now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, David. We're going to bring our service to a close just now, so let's stand and respond together through song.